Hi, mommies. Today, I decided to put my typical interview format to the side and instead bring to you all a special and timely bonus episode in honor of Election Day. This episode is straight real talk and pieced together based on voice text from a handful of my mommy friends. So please excuse the audio quality and raw editing. Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. For those of you that know me well, I'm not one to talk about politics on any of my public platforms, and I usually reserve social media for photos of my kids or articles that help support and spread positivity. My goal is that today's episode won't be very different, just with a more timely and topical flavor given the events of today. It has been my mission with the Mommies on a Call podcast to share tips, tools, and tactics to help moms thrive, whether it is as a parent, as an employee, as a boss, as a wife, etc. And so today I decided to bring on a few of my mommy friends who all have various backgrounds and expertise to share what they will be doing as parents today on election day with their children and how they plan to talk to their children about what today is all about. Navigating 2020 as a parent has been like an Olympic event, and we all are just doing our best learning as we go. But one of my big beliefs is that what we do, how we act, and what we say as role models to our children is extremely important in teaching them how to become good grown-up humans. Even though my kids are nine months, two years, and five years old, I can see they watch my husband and I. They hear our conversations and internalize how we react to things both physically and emotionally, the words we use, and more. I will be the first to admit I've not always been the best with all of this. I'm also going to be honest that I don't even think my five-year-old knows today is election day. He didn't see me actually vote since I mailed my ballot after drop-off and was not part of the process, but I want to change that moving forward. I'm still learning too. We also don't watch TV news around our kids, and we don't regularly talk about politics or current events around them either. However, we do talk about the issues that they might be exposed to at school or around friends. The bottom line is we are trying to do our best to raise good humans who can make informed decisions based on their own values. But it feels like we're finally getting to a point with our oldest where out of sight, out of mind is no longer an appropriate philosophy. And so this discussion is also timely for me as well. To give some context, I texted a few of my mommy friends five questions in which I had them send me a voice text message response, since we all know getting four moms on a Zoom call together is nearly impossible. Their answers were real, honest, informative, inspiring, and empowering. One of the moms is a parent educator and runs a community that supports moms. The other mom is a former marketing executive and a New York transplant. 
And the other mom is the COO of Vote Writers, which is an organization that helps provide voter ID education and assistance to all eligible voters who are in need. On top of it, all three moms have two daughters ranging from two years old to five years old. The following were the five questions I asked each of them. One, what's your name, background, and kids' ages? Two, what are you doing with your children on election day? Three, how has becoming a parent changed your views or engagement with the political arena? Four, if your kids ask you about the election or why your emotions are a certain way or why are you watching what you're watching, what message will you give them? And lastly, five, do you have any tips, tools, resources, or just plain advice that you would recommend to help fellow parents navigate the delicacies of political conversations, whether it be with other parents at school, other mommy friends, etc.? And now let's get started. I'd like to introduce to you Christina. My name is Christina, and I have two daughters, and my daughters are five and a half and three and a half years old. For election day, We're not going to do anything too specific to the election, but we've talked about the election being on Tuesday. We've talked about the candidates running. We've talked about that people have different feelings about the candidates. And we've also talked about that mommy is a little bit nervous about the outcome of the election. And that I'm sure we'll be watching a little bit of TV to have the news on to see what's going on. But at five and a half and three and a half, I do want to shield them a little bit from the more adult side of the election. I think in at least my case, I want to avoid watching the news, you know, for extended periods of time. I just think that the way that journalism is presented feels very extreme and chaotic and can feel just very serious and a little overwhelming for a younger child. So we will be watching the news, but I don't think that we are going to be as fixated on it as maybe I would be if they weren't in the room. And the next mommy I'd like to introduce is Rachel. So my name is Rachel. My kids are four and six. On election day, my kids are going to go to school, one virtual kindergarten and one preschool. We voted yesterday at a ballot box drop-off by mail, and one of my my six-year-old came with me, and we talked a little bit about the election. She already knows about democracy, who we're voting for and why we're voting. So I've discussed it with them, but they won't be home all day tomorrow necessarily. And lastly, I bring to you Shannon. Hi, my name is Shannon Anderson, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Vote Writers, a nonpartisan nonprofit on a mission to make sure that the vastly disproportionate impact of voter ID laws doesn't strip any eligible voter of their voice. I am also mama to two incredible little girls. Rhiannon and Riley, my five-year-old, is named after the Celtic goddess and Every bit is fierce, but with the most compassionate and empathetic soul. Aurora Charlotte, 
Whew, she's too, she's fierce. She's named after the goddess of dawn and light because she was born two years ago and we were already in the thick of some pretty dark times. And I was really hoping her dramatic entry into the world symbolized the dawn of a new era with our babies bringing so much light into the world. Her nickname Rory is a nod to the rebels and the last high king of Ireland. And her middle name is an homage to the life-changing year I spent in Charlotte, North Carolina when I went from making deals on yachts and can as an entertainment attorney to hitting the campaign full-time for President Obama. As 2011 came to an end, I was tearing my hair out, screaming at the TV and freaking out that our democracy was going to be sold to the highest bidder. And my husband said to me, you have to go, you have to do something about it. And I said, do what? We have a life here in Manhattan Beach, a good one. I've fought like hell to become a successful entertainment lawyer. I love my career. I'm not 21 and I'm not single. I have a home here. I have a husband. And he said, yeah, so we are rock solid. And I have never seen someone believe in another human being as much as you believe in Barack Obama and his vision for this country. You will regret it for the rest of your life if you don't do something about it. I was still protesting that the idea of something doing something beyond donating and sitting on nonprofit boards and volunteering in my spare time was crazy. And he said, let's be all cliche here for a second. If you had a rich uncle that died today, if you knew you never had to think about money ever again, what would you do tomorrow? I replied without blinking, I'd go work for the Obamas and the Bidens. And he said, so do it. And I did. I sold my partnership interest in my law firm at the end of 2011, started stalking anyone I knew with closer ties that I had to the campaign to pick their brain about getting more deeply involved. And I had the luxury of volunteering full-time at our California headquarters because we had some savings. And then the calls started coming in, Ohio and North Carolina competing with full-time job offers to join as campaign staff. And don't get me wrong, it was for pennies on the dollar of what I was used to making. But North Carolina in particular appealed because they needed me to use my lawyer skills to craft persuasion campaigns, boiling down complicated policy to what mattered on a local level to the citizens of North Carolina so that folks could know how to talk to their neighbors about why they thought President Obama was the best man for the job. And at the time, it felt like the most consequential, contentious election of my lifetime, what I wouldn't give for the civility of those days now, but that's a conversation for another day. Anyway, in the year that we said we were going to start trying to get pregnant, I instead packed up my SUV with as many clothes as I could fit and left my whole entire life to drive across the country to Charlotte, North Carolina, sight unseen. And I mean unseen. I am such a California girl that be for I had literally only lived in Spain, Italy, and Ireland. And I missed all all the things that year while I was in North Carolina working around the clock, all the weddings of my closest friends, all the babies being born. But I also gained all the things that year. It absolutely changed the trajectory of my life, getting up every day with the privilege of spending every ounce of myself fighting for what I believed in, building a beautiful rainbow coalition of people coming together to fight for a vision, for a loving America full of equality and opportunity, fighting for the fundamental integrity of our democracy. At the time, I did view it as a one-year hiatus from my career, but on election night 2012, 
it hit me like a ton of bricks that as hard as we worked to win that election, we didn't actually affect change that night. We won the right to possibly affect change. Making the actual change happen was going to take work. And fortunately, a lot of us on staff felt that way. So we figured out how to roll the campaign volunteer infrastructure into a 501c4 nonprofit, building bipartisan coalitions around issues like comprehensive immigration reform, climate change, gun violence prevention, marriage equality, affordable health care, economic equality. I spent the next four years finding common ground, working, for example, with the law enforcement community and the faith community and the chambers of commerce, not exactly traditionally liberal institutions, on how we could together find a fair and equitable path to citizenship to bring 11 million undocumented citizens out of the shadows so that they wouldn't be too scared to report crimes, so that they could attend church without fear of being picked up by ICE and never seeing their kids again, so that they could pay taxes and contribute to society society in all the ways they wanted to with dreamers who wanted to just engage in military service and go to college. And we worked on how to make universal background checks for guns a reality when you have 93% bipartisan support of the people, but special interests like the NRA are nonetheless blocking any progress. We worked with Newport Beach Republicans who care deeply about protecting and preserving our coastline. And again, the coalitions that we built were just such a beautiful thing, working from the premise that we are all fundamentally alike in 99% of our beliefs and values, our love of family, our desire for safety and security and a better future for our children, and building from there focused on what unites us instead of what divides us. A common theme in my episodes is talking a lot about our pre-mom identity versus after we become a mom identity. Along with this change in our identity comes our change in beliefs and decision-making. I know for me, becoming a parent has made me more aware of how my own actions will impact the future generations. And I've started making a lot of my decisions based on the impact on my children, my children's future versus my own preferences. Here's how becoming a parent has affected these moms. In terms of how becoming a parent has changed my political views, this is really huge with me. So growing up on the East Coast um, in New York, northern New Jersey, I was probably on the moderately conservative side, you know, family, very white collar. And having moved to California about five years ago, I think that a lot of my family members and friends back East seem to think that California has made me a more liberal person. But in all honesty, I think motherhood has absolutely been the biggest driver of becoming more liberal than I was before. A lot of the change that has happened within me is more just centered around voting for candidates who I think will build the world that I want my daughters to live in. More about tolerance and kindness and integrity, caring for people and wanting to make sure that people are included and feel safe. Because I think when you become a mother, there is this overarching feeling of just wanting the world to be its most perfect or at least its most happy place for them that it possibly can be. And without knowing who that they're going to become and love and what they'll want to do with their lives. I just want to make decisions that I think 
will lead for the path of least resistance for them and and what I think will allow them the most amount of happiness in their lives. Becoming a parent hasn't really changed my engagement. I have voted in every election since I could vote, with the exception of accidentally not voting in 2016 because I had a brand new baby and I thought I had sent my ballot in and found it a few days after the election. But other than that, I've always voted. And gosh, have my views changed? I think probably a little bit. I probably feel more strongly about certain things, but not in any sort of extreme way that I can think of off the top of my head. On August 6th, 2015, Rhiannon was born. That is actually the anniversary of the Voting Rights Act, the 50th anniversary. And I swear she has an obsession with voting written into her DNA as a result. More on that in a minute. But having this magical little creature enter into my life, but also one that slept no more than 30 minutes at a time the entire first year of her life, forced me to confront some realities. With the 2016 election rapidly approaching, I had to decide whether I could keep working in a line of business that in a lot of ways is a young person's game. Because when you work for something you believe in so deeply, it tends to create a culture of everyone literally working around the clock. There is not a whole lot of sustainability and self-care to be had, let alone the ability to care for another human being. But the stakes in 2016 were even greater than they were in 2012. And for Rhiannon's sake, I didn't see how I could step away and not contribute the experience and skills and relationships I had learned in my time on the ground in North Carolina and then in rising up through the ranks to become President Obama's California State Field Director. How could I step back and let someone else make the decisions for my child with her very future on the line, the future of all of her beloved little mommy and me baby buddies from my mama tribe that quite literally saved my life so many times over in that brutal first year of trying to figure it all out. So I decided that I had to continue to be engaged for her. She didn't yet have a vote, a voice in the process. She was depending on me to be her voice, her advocate, to fight for a better world for her, even if it pulled me away from her sometimes. So I had to figure out a way to double down while still being extremely present because I am also a very hands-on mama who loves doing all the -the over-the-top themed birthday parties, the music lessons, the my gym, ballet and gymnastics and soccer and t-ball and as many international trips as we can possibly pull off, the adventures abroad to the tea parties at home and so many costume changes and reading thousands of books to broaden her horizons, to grow her into a curious and compassionate and engaged and kind and enthusiastic citizen. And I had to find a way to fit it all in. But if anything, having my girls made me realize that I absolutely refuse to let someone else control their future without me having a say in it. Who is going to fight for them harder than you are? There will be many emotions, media coverage, conversations in the upcoming days, weeks, and probably months about the election. What we tell our children and how we communicate both verbally and non-verbally will be extremely important. What message will you give to your children if they ask you what's going on? You know, if my kids ask about the election and why I'm feeling nervous, I think the message that I've been giving to them and and will continue to give to them is that we're really lucky and we should feel really grateful to live in a country where we get to be part of really big decision making about what our country stands for and then the the direction that it's going to be going. 
We have talked about that people have different feelings on certain rules in the country, but that specifically mommy has some pretty strong feelings about this president not being the most kind and tolerant and inclusive person that I think should be running the country. We've talked about that he needs to treat women and people of color with more respect and that we need to look at how happy people are and it's not all about just how much money you can make. You know, those things are really important too, but we try to teach kindness and you know at a very base level in our house the best that we can. And we talk about the fact that the president, we don't think at least, is doing a good job of modeling kindness. My kids have asked me about the election. So we will probably have a little bit of news on, but not a ton. I am fine discussing the election with my kids and them asking questions. I'm not super excited about my kids having a lack of faith in our president. There are tons of things that our current president has done that I don't agree with, but I think that there's a level of security that comes from trusting your leadership. And I think that my kids are young enough that I don't want to completely disillusion them. So I, I'm going to be cautious about being open with them and answering their questions, but also not inundating them with it. Voting is actually a thing, like a thing in our house. Rhiannon counts down the days till elections. She voraciously reads books like Grace for President and rails at the fact that there are no girls on the wall of the presidents yet. We pass by our local polling place on the way to and from school, and she asks why we can't vote every day. She laments the days that she can't vote. She has actual nightmares about the bad people that might stop our friends from voting in other places in the country. She donated all her birthday presents to her buddies at the border when she had the opportunity to when she was turning four and having a big birthday party because she was so concerned that they were separated from their parents and that they didn't have toys and clothes like she did. And she was really worried about it. And we talk about the connection between those issues and making our voice heard at the ballot box. She then also wants to have high-level conversations about the relationship between her voting heroes, John Lewis and Nelson Mandela and Barack Obama before I've had my coffee in the morning, but I guess I had that coming. And, oh my God, I've just been so busy working on everyone voting in this election that she actually yelled at me last week that I hadn't filled out my ballot yet. And it was starting to get ridiculous, she told me. And so she got the whole family dressed up in our star-spangled 4th of July best. And oh, did we ever cast our ballots together. And she's already indoctrinating her little sister about how excited we all needed to be that we had that right and that privilege. And it really is a sight to behold. We also talk a lot about how there is a lot of emotion surrounding this time that it's going to be a really big day. And she's lived through my attention being divided on these kinds of days on a number of milestone occasions. I mean, again, she was born on the anniversary of the Voting Rights Act. So kind of by definition, it's a big work day for me every year. And I tend to be blowing up glitter balloons and wrapping Star Wars presents for her virtual rebel campout birthday party while I'm coaching celebrities on their talking points for a big event. And 
I am so incredibly grateful that she is as passionate about voting as I am in those moments, that she really understands that despite the fact that we are insane party planners and holidays are a really big deal too around here, nothing is more important than voting. But I do not and I will not have wall-to-wall political coverage on our TV. In fact, we generally try to keep the TVs off and we try to not have our faces buried in our phones. And I try to keep myself sane and stable for Rhiannon and Rory by staying in my lane and really focusing on the places that I can actually affect the outcome instead of freaking out about the things that I can't control. And lastly, being a parent navigating our own external relationships on top of guiding our children can be tricky. I asked the moms to share any tips, advice, or resources they have to help us parents stay educated during this time, and also how we as parents can model to our children how we can make an impact today and in the future elections. This one I actually think is really hard, and I don't think that I have necessarily found a venue that I think is appropriate to help me with parenting. You know, we have a lot of books about being inclusive and being anti-racist and pro-feminist and a lot of those types of things. But I think that I haven't gotten to a certain place with my children being only five and a half and three and a half to talk about politics in a much larger sense. They certainly see mommy get worked up sometimes and we talk about you know some very basic things about what mommy gets upset about or mommy has feelings about one way or another. But I don't really feel like at this point that I have found a resource that I really like and rely on to talk to them about political matters, but I would absolutely be open to that. I think my biggest concern there is that it would be probably biased in one direction or another. So I would be looking to do something or looking for some resource that would be a little bit more neutral, but I'm not sure at least to this point that that exists in a form that would make me happy. I think just answering questions simply and only to the extent that your kid needs the answer, meaning don't go into way too much extra detail. Be careful of what of what you say because you might inadvertently have that repeated by them at school. But sharing with them what's going on to an age-appropriate extent. There's a few YouTube videos actually that talk about democracy and voting and how that works that we got through our Daisy troop, through Girl Scouts, that are really good. So I think having your child understand the system, I would say, is more important than getting into each individual political debate with them, depending on their age, of course. My own personal preference is to not engage in political conversations with other parents, et cetera, especially if I suspect it may create tension. To me, that's as pointless as arguing with people on the Internet. And there's a lot more at stake if you end up arguing with your kid's preschool teacher, right? Every single one of us can be doing something right now, right this second, that has a direct impact. If you want to do something, if you're freaking out, if you want to empower voters, if you want to make sure this is a fair election and a real democracy, whether you have $50 to donate to make sure someone can 
obtain their replacement ID to vote or get a Lyft ride to cure an issue with their ballot in the coming days or text 5,000 voters with $50 at a penny a text with their state-specific voter ID information to get through to those tens of millions of disenfranchised voters. Or if instead you have a few minutes to make a few phone calls to just make sure voters have our number at Vote Riders, our helpline to call us if they run into issues at the polls, or if you have followers on social media that you can, you know, really help them understand that in 35 states, registering to vote alone is not enough. You also have to make sure you have an acceptable ID. So the point is, you can do something no matter what limited resources you have. You can still have a direct impact on this outcome and you will feel so much better. And then you can be better for your kids. So turn off the TV, stop obsessively reading the polls and actually help people, help some disenfranchised voters. And then you'll feel better and your kids will feel better. They are looking to us for how to react in all of this. So I try to keep myself as level as possible. And part of that for me is actually putting on the blinders a little bit and not obsessing about the news coverage. I highly recommend that you get involved even in a limited capacity. I was so overwhelmed at the idea of attending my first phone bank, but it's so easy and fun and fulfilling, especially the calls we make at Vote Riders, the voters who really need our help and are so grateful. And I know there's a lot of noise to cut through, but donate your money to the places that you know will make you feel like you actually did something. The transparent organizations that tell you where every dollar is actually going. If you know you left it all on the field, you don't have to wake up with regrets if it doesn't go your way. And by staying busy and not obsessing about every single turn of events on the news, you can create a much healthier home environment for your kids in these crazy intense times. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, channel that energy into a place that is actually productive. And that is true after this election day comes and goes. We have so much work to do to heal this country. So find a positive and uplifting and rewarding place to put all that energy and angst. That's the only thing that has kept me sane. Check us out at votewriters.org. Reach out to me personally if you're really interested in getting involved. We also have hundreds and hundreds of partner organizations that do different things in the voting space. Just do something. Do it for your babies. Do it for yourself. Just do something proactive. And I promise it will make all the difference in getting through this in a way that is so much healthier for all of us. Thank you so much to Christina, Rachel, and Shannon for joining us today on this bonus episode of Mommy's on a Call. You, Mommy, have the ability to make a difference. So if you live in the U.S., go out and vote today if you haven't already or help out and volunteer at an organization like Vote Writers so that other moms and parents can get their voice heard and their vote in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommies on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time. Bye.